You know, when we live our lives for ourselves, that's when we are limiting God, uh, what, what God can do through our lives. When we live in sin, we are limiting the Holy Spirit's power through us. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to uh, Mark. Mark chapter 5. We'll be reading a leng- uh, very lengthy passage, but uh, you can just follow along with me as we, we read uh, verses 21 to 43. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. And the Word of God says, And when Jesus was passed over again by, by ship, Unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and, mu- and much people followed him and thronged him. And, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many phys- physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grow worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came into the press behind, and touched his touched his garment. For she said, if I, may, if, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude throwing thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he, looked, and he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard of the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, 
But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talithai kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and, and woke. Uh, and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he uh, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Now, in the passage we 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 just read, we are introduced into two characters. Uh, they demonstrated their genuine faith amidst thousands of people who waited and followed our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're familiar with the Gospels, there's always multitudes that's following the Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand that because Jesus Christ manifested His power by healing the people. And even He showed a lot of miracles in certain cities in Galilee. Now, it's interesting though, it's very interesting how Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because this event is recorded in the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, and the book of Luke. So it's very interesting how Matthew, Mark, and Luke put them together, put these two characters together. One was named Jairus, and the other was an unnamed woman, a dignitary man and a nobody woman. A man with probably with everything, and a woman with probably nothing. A man with 12 years old dying daughter, and a woman who suffered 12 years bleeding. But both were drawn into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now tonight I pray that our attitudes and beliefs in God that we already hold will reinforce by looking at these two characters in the Bible. And whether we like it or not, often biblical truths that, that are known to us and accepted can sometimes be serious, seriously questioned or doubted because of the events that shake our stability in Christ. Someone said, Sometimes life rolls along smoothly. And everything goes according to plan. When one morning you wake up thinking it will be just another ordinary day and tragedy strikes. Sometimes you lose a loved one, get a terminal diagnosis, or you or a loved one is involved in a traffic accident. And the staggering winds of the adversity suddenly begin to blow out of nowhere at, all, at an almost unbearable gale. When adversity strikes from out of the blue, when lost tears from you, what is the most precious? When the unexpected slips into our lives in the darkness of night and turns what we treasure to ashes, that is when we discover who we truly are. We sometimes question and doubt the love of God towards us, especially since we, we know that God will do only what is best for his children. And I know you believe that. But if God loves us, 
why he allows tragedies, hurts, problems, trials in our lives. And sometimes we question that. And we can simply quote, you know, Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I'm not saying that that's a wrong, uh, wrong passage to quote. That's a very good passage. But sometimes there are people who really just can get over with the tragedy and understand that because we are just human as well. And when we go through things in life that is difficult, it's hard for us to comprehend. But there are times that we begin to doubt the integrity of God's word and perhaps God himself. And so therefore, tonight we will answer the question, why does God allow tragedies to occur? Why does God allow tragedies to occur? We will answer that tonight, but before that, we will look into the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this time. Thank you for, for allowing us to come into your place. And Lord, we ask now for wisdom. We ask for understanding. And Lord, that uh, as we understand your truth, Lord, help us to apply it into our lives. Help us to come out from this place with a reinforced knowledge, reinforced faith and trust in you, knowing that you are in control no matter what happened in our lives. So, Father, be with us tonight and bless our service this evening. And we commit to you everything into your hands. In Christ's name, amen. Now, the first one, to answer that question, God, why does God allow tragedies to occur? Well, the first one, if you're a note-taker, God allows tragedies to bring us to Him. Okay, that's the very first one, to bring us to Him. Now, in time of the distress. Now, Mark chapter 22, we, uh, 522, we're told here that uh, we can see the distress of Jairus. And that actually moved him actually brought him to the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jairus was one of the rulers. That's one of the things that we can see here in the passage. One of the rulers of the synagogue. And we must understand that most synagogue leaders, uh, Pastor White mentioned about you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and this guy here, is not, he's not mentioned as the, or, uh, one of the Pharisees or one of the Sadducees, but he is... Uh, what the Bible says, a ruler. Most synagogue leaders, as what I've said, were opposed to Jesus at, at that time. But when this ruler was faced with the possibility of the death of his daughter, he found himself kneeling at the feet of Jesus. It's very interesting because not all leaders, it's not common to synagogue leaders during that time to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was a strange event, as what I've said, to look upon so much so that Matthew, Mark, and Luke added the world here. Even you can see it in verse 22. It said, and behold, it is to give emphasis of this event. Why? Because as I mentioned, most synagogue leaders were opposed to Jesus. They hated him. 
and they resented uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And most likely, he doubted to, to, uh, for coming to Jesus Christ at first because he will be criticized. If not, be stripped from his office, being one of the leaders of the synagogue. And even though this man is not a Pharisee or a Sadducee, he was no doubt one of the influential personalities in the synagogue. But take a look at the last phrase of the verse, in verse 22. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Jairus' tragedy brought him at the feet of Jesus. Now, the narrative doesn't stop there, right? We are introduced to a distress of the unknown woman. Not only we are introduced into the distress of Jairus, but also to the distress of the unknown woman mentioned in verse 25. Okay, the, the verse says, A woman appeared here in verse 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. That's a very long time. She had this disease for a long time as Jairus' daughter has, has been lived. We don't know what caused this disease. That never, you know, um, showed in, this, in the passage. But she suffered from the, this disease for a very long time, 12 years specifically. And this might involve a constant loss of blood, right? Um. So every day, she must have been weak. I, you know, uh, women would understand this. And this would also involve embarrassment and uh, a possibility of death. Because 12 years has been going on, never stopped. And furthermore, because, because in the time of Jesus, they're still, uh, they're, they were still under the Mosaic law, Correct? Now, according to Leviticus chapter 15, we don't have to, uh, time to go there, but Leviticus 15, 19 to 27, a woman with an issue of blood shall be put apart or set apart for seven days, and she shall be unclean. Now, if you're reading the passage, just like, oh, it's okay, it's just separating for seven days, and she shall be unclean. But what does it mean? She shall be separated from the people because whatever he, she, whatever she, or whatever or whomever she touches shall be unclean too. Now this is, of course, for a side note, a picture of sin that sin does in our lives, right? When we commit sin against the Lord, it's not just yourself, it's also your family, it's also your church, it's also even your friends has been affected of sin, right? It's also, it's, it's so here it's a picture of the woman actually, actually been separated. So therefore, do you understand the distress of this woman? Not just seven days. She wasn't unclean for just seven, just seven days. She was unclean for 12 years, which means she was cast out of the society. That's for sure. That's for sure. She was separated from her family and friends. She can't go to synagogue or even to the temple for 12 years. Now, this woman found herself 
in the presence of Jesus Christ because of her great distress. So not only, not only does tragedy brings us to God in times of distress, but also we can see in times of desperation. In times of desperation. And we can see the desperation of Jairus here in the passage. In verse 23, it says, And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and shall live. And she shall live. In verse 23, we see the desperation of Jairus. The Bible says, and besought him greatly. Now this man, a ruler of the synagogue, begged greatly to Jesus for the life of his daughter. In his desperation, he fell at, the, at Jesus' feet and begged. He didn't care what the leaders would say. He didn't care what the other people would say. I don't have a child yet. But I can imagine that in his agony, he did everything he could for his daughter. Yet, she got worse. Jairus had reached a point where he didn't care what other people thought. Luke tells us, because Luke, if you read the book of Luke, it tells us, the passage tells us that the girl was his only daughter. And it's much more worse. In his, uh, in his desperation, she found himself in the presence of Jesus Christ. And not only do we see the desperation of Jairus, but also we see the desperation of the woman. Now in verse 27 to 28, it says there, When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes... I shall be whole. The Bible says that she, the Bible says in, um, in, uh, in verse, in verse uh, 26, that he suffered, many things of, uh, he suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grow worse. And I feel like she was taking advantage here. Uh, really, if you read the, the passage, I feel like she was taking advantage of many physicians just to get her money. And that's not a good, you know, um, if, you, if, you, if you put all the, the physicians in Surrey and you go at each and every one of them and you haven't hear, um, healed or whatsoever, uh, not good for the doctors, right? Uh, but uh, here you can see that um, uh, he, he was taking advantage and she, wa she went to many physicians, and no one was able to help her. She spent all that he ha uh, she had, but nothing happened. And her condition, the Bible says, grow grew worse. And that's why she was so desperate to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, because she knew that Jesus could heal her. She knew, she knew that because of the fame of Jesus that she that he heals the sick. But what about the ceremonial law? We, we know that, right? Well, the, the Bible tells us that in verse 27, she pressed behind Jesus and touched his garment. 
she doesn't care about ceremonial law as long as she wanted to heal. She wanted to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in order for her to heal with this plague. In her desperation, we can see that she found herself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, God allowed this tra- these tragedies to Jairus and to the unknown woman because it brought them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of the big re- reasons why God allows tragedies to occur in our lives. And what does this mean for you and me? Well, our first point says it. God sometimes allows tragedies, problems, trials, hardships in our lives to bring us to Him. Because we ought to. We ought to. God shakes our stability from time to time to remind us that stability, our stability is found in Him. Our joy is found in Him. Our satisfaction is found in Him. There's no stability that you can ever found in this world. No true joy that you can ever found in this world. No satisfaction that you can ever found in this world. Now you see, because of our sinful nature, and we still have that, uh, have that sinful nature, right? But we allow, if we allow that, you know, the Bible says, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Right? In Romans chapter 3, verse 11, you know, well, compared to you, for many of you here, probably you've been here for most of your, all of your life. One of the biggest mistakes that we have here in North America, especially also in the first world country, is that we allow the abundance of this, uh, of this country to hinder our faith, to hinder our worship, and even to hinder our service to our God. All of a sudden, our work is now more important than our relationship with God. Our career is more important that, than our service to our God. Our pursuit in this life is more important than the call of God in our lives. Too many people, too many people uh, don't need the Lord because, we, because they have everything in life. I, uh, I hear that. Um, I have an aunt in New Zealand. That's a one, one first world country as well, considered to be one first world country. They, they would always say that I don't need the Lord because, you know, I have everything. Right? I, can, I have, I have uh, you know, I have food always on my table. My cupboards are always full. Um, I can drive a, a nice car. I can have a nice place to stay. And uh, these things in our lives are not, they're not wrong in a sense, but there are lots of people that we allow these things to hinder our faith, our worship, our service to our God. And sad to say, you know, many Christians are walking in the same path. And we must realize that our jobs, our careers, you know, our pursuit in this world, whether we like it or not, they have no eternal value. I'm not saying at all that we don't need money to live. I'm not saying that. 
But don't use the business of your career as an excuse for not being faithful to God. And that's what I'm trying to say. Don't make it as an excuse for not serving Him because at the end of the day, someone said, only what's done for Christ will last. Furthermore, I'm not saying that we are called, uh, all of us are called to full-time service. I'm not saying that at all. But we are called to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. We are called to live our lives for God and not for this world. We are called to be faithful witnesses, a bearer of light, if you will. Wherever we go, we are called to serve Him in any way. And also, I believe this, that God allows tragedies in our lives so that we can get closer to Him. You know, when, when things go really well, smooth well, it's, uh, some, there, there's a big, we, we should watch out that, because there's a big possibility that we don't even thank the Lord or even acknowledge the Lord. But of course, tragedies, problems, allows us, it's our opportunity to get closer to our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people who experience tragedies in life are those who experience a great intimacy with God that no one else can experience. And I experienced that myself um, back in the Philippines. Well, we don't have time to to, uh, dig into my life, but uh, of course, as what I've said, people who have experienced tragedies in life have experienced a great intimacy that no one No other Christians can experience. So you see, our tragedies is meant to be, when we think of tragedies, it's not something that, you know, God don't care anymore. God doesn't care of our situation. But it actually, it is a privilege for us to go to Him, to bring us to Him. And so Jairus And the woman had the opportunity to meet the Lord Jesus Christ face to face because of the tragedy that happened in their life. Now the second and the final point is this. God allows tragedy, tragedies to bring us to his power. To bring us to his power. Not only God allows tragedies to bring us to him, but not only that, God allows tragedies to bring us to His power. Now, in a time of determination, in a time of determination, we can see the determination of the woman here, right? It said for, uh, verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, look at this, came in the press behind and touched His garment. For she said, if I may touch but His clothes, I shall be Now in verse 28, we see the determination of the woman. She believed that even if she would only touch his clothes, Jesus' clothes, she shall be whole. Luke specifically mentioned the border of his garment. So that's basically, you know, like near the foot. Uh, Matthew mentioned the hem of his garment. What an amazing faith, don't you think? Just to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ, she knew 
that she will be whole. She was brought to the healing power of Jesus Christ. And this is not a superstitious belief, you know, of a touching garment and you will be healed. Like some people use this passage as a, you know, to teach the false doctrine. People, you know, people believe it. Now, for example, like, uh, you know, put your handkerchief uh, right next to the, your TV, put there, and, uh, you know, put, put wherever you're sick, uh, you're, you know, physically conditioned, you will be healed. That's, that's not a superstitious belief here. The woman's faith in Jesus and his power to heal made her whole. It's not about the garment, and that's why she was determined to come to Jesus and even just touching the hem of his garment. Her faith was rewarded. And look at verse 21. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So we see in verse 29 that her determination and faith were rewarded. The Bible says straightway, right away, on the same hour, the fountain of her blood dried up. She was healed at that plague. So not only do we see the, the determination of the woman, but also we see the determination of Jairus here. Look at in verse 39. And when he was come in, and verse 41 also, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her. Now this is, you know, you can't really see the determination of Jairus here per se in the verse, but it is more implied in the passage. In verse 39, we know that Jesus reached the house of Jairus. In verse 41, Jesus went even in the room where the damsel lay. Jairus could, you know, if you see the passage, Jairus could have stopped Jesus from coming to his house when they heard the news that his daughter already dead. Look at verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain, men, uh, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? So Jairus could have stopped Jesus there, right? said, Lord... My daughter's dead. But Jesus said, in, uh, so, but Jesus said here, be not afraid, only believe. And he believed in the words of Jesus Christ. And his faith, we see, was rewarded in verses 41 to 42. Jairus' daughter was brought back to life. Now, if I, re- I remember the passage in John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall live. Jairus was put or was brought into the power of our Christ. So that's the second point that we have. Now for the sake of time, I left out uh, some verses there. But here's the point. God sometimes allows tragedies, problems, trials, and hardships in life not only to bring us to Him, but also to bring us to His power. Now, do you know that 
the God we serve. I'm, I'm saying the God of the Bible is an omnipotent God. Do you believe that? And I believe, uh, I know that you believe that. And if we believe that God is omnipotent, I assume you, um, we believe also that nothing is impossible to Him, correct? And we believe that. Because it doesn't make sense that if you believe that God is omnipotent and He, is a limit, and he can limit Himself. That doesn't make sense. So the Bible says that He is omnipotent, but also he, there's nothing impossible to Him. So, However, sometimes we fail to believe of this truth. We limit God in our lives. You know, when we live our lives for ourselves, that's when we are limiting God, uh, what, what God can do t- through our lives. When we live in sin, we are limiting the Holy Spirit's power through us. Even in Isaiah chapter 30, uh, 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. That makes the Holy Spirit's power through us, you know, being limited in our lives. When we put our trust in someone or something else, we are limiting. We are limiting God's power through us. When we are afraid of giving something over to God in order to do His will, he, we are limiting to God. Uh, we, we limit God to show His power through us. When we lean on ourselves instead of trusting Him, we limit God on the things we can do for, uh, He can do for us. The Bible says, trust in the Lord, right? With all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We pray, when we pray for temporal blessings and spiritual blessings, and we hold God to our own timetable, because, Lord, I want it now. I want it now, Lord. Um, and we hold God to our own manner. We hold God into our own means. We limit God to show his power through us. And you see, I can go on into this list, right? The list can go on, and we know that we can limit God, actually. He is an omnipotent God. We know that, and nothing is impossible to Him. But it's not God who limits Himself. It is us who are actually limiting Him and the power that He can do through us and in us. Now, in conclusion, I like how God put Jairus and the woman together in this passage because it gives us both sides of the spectrum. As what I mentioned earlier, we saw two characters, a dignitary man and a nobody woman. A man of probably everything, uh, probably everything, and a woman with practically nothing. A man that was accepted in society and, a, and an un- unwanted woman. And every one of us, of course, can find ourselves in between, right? There's no, no one here that's really unknown. Or there's no one here that's as dignitary as Jairus. 
all of us can find ourselves in between. And this is what I wanted to say. Jesus was available to both Jairus and to the unknown woman. And many people come to help him, right? During this time, multitudes throng at the Lord Jesus Christ. They came to him for help. Many people come to, help, uh, to him for help. But Jesus gave time to Jairus and the woman. He even stopped the woman and recognized her, her faith into the public. You know, are you glad that Jesus is available 24-7? Right? There's no like, uh, you know, business hours, Monday to Friday, 9 to, 10, uh, 9 to 5. If, you're, if you called 6 o'clock, Jesus will not answer. Jesus is not available. But here, you know, he is available. In case you didn't know, he is. He is available 24-7. He is always available to those who come to him. He even invites us to come, right? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Another thing you need to see is that Jesus will show his power personally will show his power personally if you if you have read the gospels you know you know when when you read the gospels jesus showed his power in public correct but he healed them personally one every single one of them god or jesus christ meet them you know he could have he could have just pronounce healing to the entire Galilee, correct? He, can he do that? He can. He can even just, you know, with all the multitudes, all of you will be healed. He can do that. But you see, he met Jairus. He met also the unknown woman. And even single one of those who come to him, he had time to heal them. He healed them personally. He met them, every single one of them, and showed his, uh, his power personally. You know, God is a personal God. You know that, right? And He wants to have a close relationship with us. And that's what uh, amazing. He is, he is, you know, He is so big, He's so distant, but also He's near. That is one thing that also in theology that you, can't, you cannot comprehend. How can a, a big God, a soul tr being transcendent God, so, but still, He is so close to us. So that's who, who God is. God is a personal God, and He wants a closer relationship with us. He is not detached, a detached God like some people think. And you and I must personally experience His power in our lives. And if you want God's power, because He really wants to show His power to, uh, through us, you need to involve God in your life. Let Him be the God of your life. And fellow believers, 
God wants to show His power through us. He has the power to provide our needs. He has the power to protect. He has the power to help us with whatever trials we have. And I know for sure that each of us, each of you has difficulties or struggles that you encounter every single day. Now, there's a story. A preacher, a preacher was busy um, with, with his study while this little boy looked at the book of pictures by the fireside. He suddenly wanted a large book he had left upstairs and asked his boy to go for it. The boy was away, uh, was away for a long time, and after a while, the father heard the sound of the sobbing on the stairs. He went out, and at the top of the staircase, he saw his son crying bitterly with a large book he had tried to lift and carry, lying at his feet. The boy said, Oh, Daddy, he cried. I can't carry it. It's too heavy for me. In a moment, the father was up the stairs and stooping down, took up both the book and the little fellow in his strong arms and carried them both to the room below. And he found himself thinking after, that is how God deals with his children. The Bible says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust, and so God knows our frame. God knows what are the trials that you go through. God knows what are you know, things that you go through in life. Now the question is, how can I let God show his power in my life? Maybe you have right now bitterness and anger that really flowing in your heart. God has the power to set you free from that sin. Uh, from that situation. Maybe you have that sick, secret sin that you know, you, keeps on coming back at you. God has the power to set you free from that sin. Maybe, maybe a family problem that seems so hard to overcome. God has the power to give you victory over that fa- family problem. Maybe God is calling you to full-time service and you're afraid of what lies ahead of you. No, that's the same for me back then. And God has the power to give you faith to answer the, that call. And I suggest you come, you know, we have a Bible college here, um, and let God, and let God work through you. Maybe you have a broken relationship. God has the power to mend the broken relationship. Maybe you are drifting away slowly, because drifting is not an instant. It is a slow process that Satan works through your life. So you're, if you're drifting away from him and your relationship with him is getting cold, God has the power to revive you and renew your relationship with him. You know, I can go on. But do you get the point? God wants to show his power to you and me, but you need to come to him. That's what Jairus did. That's what the unknown woman did. They, 
they were determined to come to the Lord Jesus Christ because they want themselves to see the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. And the same for you and for me. But let me end this. If you're, if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He's also inviting you to come. To come to Him. Come to the Lord and repent of your sins and believe that Jesus died in your sins, who was buried and rose again the third day. And right now, He's knock, knocking at your heart's door. And the question is, will you come to Him? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.